Oh, don't you hold your Bible, lift it up high. This is my Bible. I believe what he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Uh, we're still talking about uh, prosperity, this thing that uh, Ashley started about two weeks ago when he came out. Uh, he taught on prosperity, and basically he opened a can of uh, jewels, you know, if you will. And I'm peeping in and just picking out a few more that we can look at and just encourage one another with that. You know, the first thing that we discovered last week was that prosperity is a God idea. Uh, we read in Genesis chapter number 1 from verse 26 onwards in the Message Bible. And the first word, you won't believe this, the first word mankind ever heard from the mouth of God was prosper. Amen. You know, God could have said rapture. Yep. He could have said hold on. He could have said so many, you know, religious things that we like, you know, but he said prosper. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, reproduce, subdue the earth, dominate, be blessed. So this is a God idea. Not a man's idea. And we also discovered in Third John 1 verse 2, uh, the Apostle John writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things. Man, he has a lot of things on his mind. But above all those things, he says, I wish above everything that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So prosperity is not a Western church ideology. They are not that clever. It's not a Creflo Dollar idea. I like the man. But this is a God idea. Amen? So we need to realize that God's will for us, his decreed will, is for you and I to prosper and not to lose. God does not get any glory when you are not prospering, both physically, spiritually, and also financially. God does not get any glory when you don't answer your phone. Because your creditors are looking for you and they want money. Or when you tell your kids to go and tell whoever is knocking that we are not here. God doesn't get glory out of that. Amen? God gets glory when you're doing well, when you're prospering. And not only for yourself, so that you can be a blessing to someone else. Ultimately, that's why God wants you to prosper. Amen? So let us continue in the same breath. Uh, Genesis chapter number 1, verse 29. So we're going to be talking about the logic behind uh, generosity. The logic behind generosity. I know for some of you, this is going to be hard to believe. Uh, it's probably a far-fetched idea, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I believe that God knows more than you and me. I believe it. I believe he knows more than us. I know it's really difficult to convince a 21st generation millennial that God knows more than them. But I'm telling you, I believe God knows about the future. He knows about the world. He knows about how things should run better than we do. Amen? amen. amen. I said amen. amen. And with that in mind, we're going to read this scripture and find out what God thinks of this logic when it comes to generosity and giving. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 1 verse 29, And God said, Behold, uh, let me read it in the New King James Bible. 
I like the word behold. Uh, in the New King James, I think it says, look, take notice, or see. He says, uh, uh, God said to mankind, see, take notice. I want you to take note of something. He says, I have given you every herb that yields what? Seed. I didn't hear that. Seed. He says, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields what? To you it shall be for food. Why does God say to mankind, I want you to take notice of this peculiar truth. I want you to take notice of this interesting fact. That every seed and every herb that I've given you, in it is a thing called seed. That I've embedded on the inside of it. And seed is a God idea. It is a God, it only belongs to God class. You know, mankind, we've come a long way. I mean, we discovered how to fly aeroplanes. We discovered the internet. We've, I mean, we've been, we've been making a lot of great discoveries, but if there's one thing that mankind have not been able to discover how to, you know, manufacture or to make, it is seed. Mankind have not yet discovered the ability or the ingenuity behind creating something and in it embedding seed. So one thing we can't do. We can make prototypes, we can make, you know, similar things, but we can't create the engineering behind it. It belongs to uh, uh, the God class. And God is saying here to Adam, I want you to take note that every fruit that I've given you, in it is a seed element. And that seed uh, speaks of some things that we're going to be sharing uh, about today. But let's go now and look at this seed and look at uh, what this Bible has to say about seed in the New Testament. Let's go to Mark chapter number 4 verse 26. Mark chapter number 4 verse 26. If you have it, you can say I have it. Mark 4, 26 to 28. Watch what it says. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus said, uh, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter what? Seed on the ground. Next verse. And should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. So we don't even know how this seed germinates and grows and produces other fruit and more uh, seed. But what we know is that seed works. And if you don't believe this, if you, you know, after church you can go to pick and pay all of the owls, one after the other, are a testimony that seed and harvest is still in operation today. Amen. Every product, whether it's rubber, someone had to put seed in the ground for a tree to grow up to produce a rubber for you. Whether it's food, someone had to put seed in the ground. Whether it's the reproduction of animals, it all involves seed. Yeah. So we know that the Lord, the law of seed is in effect. But we don't know how. Watch what he says next verse. He says, for the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. In other words, the process of seed time and harvest will grow in stages. It's a process. When God brings a harvest, it's always first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Now, with that in mind, this law of seed time and harvest 
is also talked about metaphorically in the New Testament in two areas. The first one is in Mark chapter number 4, right at the beginning, where Jesus is talking about the sower sowing the seed, and he says, this is, the seed is the word of God, and the ground is the heart of man. So he likens sowing seed to uh, speaking the word of God into the hearts of men. Metaphorically. And the second metaphor, seed time and harvest, is used, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 verse 6. Let us go there. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 verse 6. And here he is talking about generosity. Someone say generosity. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 verse 6, But I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap how? Sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap how? Bountifully. And then he brings context. See, when you're reading scripture, context is everything. Watch what he says in the next verse. So let each one do what? He's talking about giving. This is not a farming verse. He's using uh, giving metaphorically, uh, uh, sowing and reaping metaphorically for giving. He's saying when you give, you are sowing into the ground. And if you back down to verse 6, he says, he who gives stingily. Let's read it in the Amplified. Let's read it in the Amplified. And then we'll read it in the Message Bible. Uh, verse 6. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap how? Sparingly and grudgingly. I like this. You know why? Because this means I get to determine my harvest. Because yeah. I'm the one who gets to decide whether I sow sparingly or bountifully. Yeah. And here's what's even more awesome. God does not consider a bountiful offering based on the amount. Yeah. He considers a bountiful offering based on the percentage. That's why the widow who gave two mites is considered one of the biggest givers in the whole Bible. You know why? Because that's all she had. And she gave it away. So you can be a big giver right where you are. Because generosity is a mindset. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously that the blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Now watch what he says in the Message Bible. It's about to get better. Same verse. It's about to get better. Remember, a stingy planter gets a what? Stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a what? Lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty time to think it over and make up your mind what you will give. Because he's talking about giving. He says before you give, I want you to make up in your mind that you're not going to be a stingy planter. That you're going to be a generous planter. And when you become a generous planter, watch what he says. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. See, because if I already have my mind made up that I'm a generous planter, if I have already made up my mind what I'm going to give, it doesn't matter what the story is. That's right. That's good. 
Because God doesn't want us to respond to need and to respond to necessity. He wants us to give inspired by love. He wants us to give inspired by the kingdom and the work that God is doing in the kingdom. Amen? I said amen. So he says here, this will protect you against sob stories. I'm twisting. God loves it. When the giver delights in what? Giving. So God is saying here, he loves it when you give with the right attitude. Because attitude is more important than the gift. You know, I always have this when I teach this sermon. I always have this and I use this, uh, we call it the husband challenge. And I always say to the man, you know, when it's your wife's birthday, I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you to go and make her, the, 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 her breakfast of her dreams. You know, what she's always ever wanted. If she likes bacon, if she likes egg, make her breakfast of her dreams and serve it while she's in bed. But here's how I want you to serve it. Just walk up to her and say, there you go. And then just walk up. <laughs> there's the breakfast you like. Just, just There's the breakfast you like and walk up. And see what will happen. What might happen? (laughs) She's going to send it back to the sender. But why? This breakfast is everything that she wants. It's got the bacon. She likes bacon, right? Did I put bacon? I did. She likes sausage. It's got sausage. It's got everything. But how come she's not receiving it? You know why? Because attitude is everything. And that's what God is saying. God delights. He loves and he's not willing to do without a happy, hilarious giver. In other words, when you give to God, you better come with a dance in your feet. You better get excited about it. When it's tithing time, it's tithing time. Not here we go again. Because if it's here we go again, let me help you. Don't do it. Because it's not going to benefit you nothing. Now, you need to bring the right attitude. God had the same issue with the children of Israel in Psalm 51. He said, it's not that I delight in sacrifices. Well, if I was hungry, I wouldn't even ask you. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. It's the attitude. You have the wrong attitude. Therefore, keep your sacrifices. Because God wants you to bring it with the right attitude. And then God will show you that it's not about stuff anyway. It's about the heart. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 6 verse 21. And then we'll go to Genesis and we'll come back to Proverbs and then we'll close. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says in Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what's your treasure? For most of us in here, treasure can be measured by two things. Your time and your money. And he's saying, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Some of you who are married don't believe this. But let me, let me give you a practical example of how you can start believing in this. When you give your wife the credit card to go to the shops. And she walks out of the door. Your heart goes with her. (laughs) Most of you men in here will call her more times than you've ever called her your entire marriage. Just because she went with a credit card. You know why? Because where your treasure is, there 
will your heart be also. And your treasure is in your money. So how does God get your heart to be in the kingdom? He says, take a portion of it and bring it into the kingdom. You know why? Because your heart follows the treasure. Your heart follows the money. It's not that God, you know, is desperate for money. God wants your heart, but he knows the way to get to your heart is through your wallet. (laughs) So he says, bring some of that. Not because he wants to take it away from you, but because he wants you to dethrone it. If you go to Matthew 6, 24, watch what it says. Man, this is a powerful scripture. And I'm about to share with you some things that will radically change your life forever. This is the attitude. This is where God wants you to be. He says no one can serve two masters. It doesn't mean people won't try. People will still try. People are crazy. Even though God has already told them you can't do it. People will still try to serve two masters. God is saying it's impossible. No one can do it. No one has ever done it. It's not going to happen. Remember, God knows more than we do. And this is God speaking through the mouth of Jesus. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other. So essentially, he's saying when you love money, you hate God. These are hard words from the mouth of Jesus. These are not easy words to hear, right? This is not, you know, ice cream uh, uh, Bible reading. This is tough. He says, man, if you love money, you hate me. I mean, that's tough. Or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So mammon is the spirit behind material things. It's the spirit behind money that tries to control us. I'll use myself as an example. You know, when we decided we were going to bring uh, Kali and Ashley over to preach, you know, my wife got on the phone with uh, Ashley, and then Ashley said to me, to, to her, uh, usually we travel together as a couple. So if you can bring both of us uh, together to South Africa, we'll come out. And instantly the Holy Spirit said to me, go for it. And my flesh or the voice of Mammon said to me, you, you don't have the budget. So I'm, 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 I'm sitting with two options. I don't have the budget and the Holy Spirit is saying, go for it. So which one am I going to go for? So we decided, you know what? We're going to believe the voice of the Holy Spirit and go for it. So we went for it and we paid about 3000 and 84 uh, US dollars for their tickets to come out, both of them. So they came. We had a lovely conference and so on and so forth. And man, in my mind, I'm thinking and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, man, this is a big gap in the finances and the ministry, man. Lord, we trust you, Lord. Man, I'm praying. Everyone else is worshiping. Man, I'm counting the costs. <laughs> and then here's where it gets worse. The Holy Spirit says to me before the conference, two days before the conference, give all of the offerings for the conference to them. Bless them. I'm like, Lord, you must be kidding. (laughs) He says, go ahead and do it. And I have a choice again to either listen to the voice of Mammon, the voice of money, and to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, Pastor Dave is a really classic illustration of this. When he's preaching about Mammon and money telling you what to do, he usually pulls out like a hundred rand and he puts it on 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 the pulpit and he kneels and he says, money, 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 please can I have a new car? And what do you think the hundred rand says to him? No, you can't. And he says, money, 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 please can I have a new house? And what do you think the money says to him? He says, no, you can't. And he says, man, this is a terrible God. I don't want you to be my God. I won't listen to you anymore. 
So what happened was we, you know, we decided we were going to sow all the offerings uh, to their lives. So we sowed all the offerings into their lives, and I dropped them off on Monday to, you know, to go back home uh, at the airport. And, you know, Monday night they were delayed, so they had to go back uh, on Tuesday night. And as they touched down in Colorado, he sends me a message, Ashley. He said, brother, you won't believe this. We just landed, and Delta has called me and said that they're going to reimburse us of our tickets, and that means we're going to send you 3000 U.S. dollars back. I said to him, no, you are mistaken. Uh, they would reimburse you of the one leg going back, the one which they delayed you. He said, no, you are mistaken. Delta said they are reimbursing us, flying in and flying out. You know what that means? That means we didn't pay a single penny towards their flight. Now, here's the awesome part. What would have happened had I listened to the voice of money? I would have missed this miracle money. Have you ever heard of miracle money? This is the real miracle money. (laughs) This is the real miracle money. When God says he will give you money that you didn't work for, this is what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And God began to teach me just this past week. He said, Tafara, I'm telling you and I'm trying to help you. I need you to learn this, that you don't need money. What you need is the anointing. And when you hold on and you're loyal to the anointing and to my assignment, you're going to see plenty of these miracle things happen in your ministry and in your own personal life. Man, when we dethrone mammon to where we don't listen to his voice, See, some of you let money tell you what you're going to eat for lunch. Today, some of you are going to be, you're going to be, no, I eat what I want. I don't listen to the voice of money. And I choose to be a generous giver. Let's go now to Proverbs chapter number 11, verse 24. Proverbs 11.24 is the cure to a bountiful mindset towards sowing. Amen? Amen. We're going to read it in three different versions. Watch what it says. It says there's one who scatters. He's talking about an attitude of sowing. There's a difference, some of you have been to the rural areas, to the farm areas, and you know how to, you know, plant seed. There's a difference between throwing two little kernels in a hole and scattering. Scattering is basically walking around with a seed bag and putting your hand without even looking and just spread it all over. Without even thinking. He says there's one who scatters. In other words, there's one who's extravagantly generous. And what happens to them? Yet increases more. And then he flips it. He says then there is one who withholds more than is right. Or there is one who is a warder. One who never gives to anything. Who never, who always complaining. When you go out to eat, you know. You already know. You're going to pay for their bill. You already know. They're not even going to try. You already know. They just, they just not like that. They just not cut out to be generous. They just, they just don't do that. Amen. They invite you to a birthday party and expect you to pay the bill. Okay. All right. Next verse. He says the generous soul will be made what? This is a Bible principle. He who waters 
Others will also be watered himself. Now go back to verse 24. Let's read it in the Message Bible. Man, I want you to get this. This will change your life forever. The world of the generous gets what? And larger. The world of the stingy gets what? This is a Bible principle. When there's no seed in the ground, you are sabotaging your future. Next verse. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Go back to verse 24. Let's read it now in the New Living Translation. Man, this is awesome. Give freely and become what? This is now an instruction. If you want a a manual to being wealthy, give freely, liberally, and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose. Here's the science behind it. If you are stingy, you are not putting seed in the ground. Okay, I brought an avocado with me here this morning to illustrate this. Better known as a quarter pear. <laughs> this is an avocado. Amen? Amen? Here's what it looks like on the inside. How many of you like guacamole? What is it called? <laughs> avocado. How many of you like avocados? How many of you in here have ever attempted to eat the brown thing in the avocado? See, here's the brown thing. Marua has attempted to eat it. What does it taste like? She says it's bitter. Did you like it? No. No, she didn't like it. So, the rest of you all didn't even attempt to eat it. Why not? I didn't hear that. You're not meant to eat the seed. You're not meant to what? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. You're not meant to eat the seed. Now, here's what God has done in all of his wisdom. For every paycheck God gives you, for every financial harvest God gives you, he has allocated a seed element, not because he wants to take away from you, but because he wants you to now start taking charge of your destiny. Not only that, he wants you to secure your future. The future of avocados, cotapeas, is embedded in the seed. And what you do with the seed. That was the wisdom behind it. Why would God put something in an avocado that we don't eat? We don't even need anyway. So that we could put it in the ground and have more avocados. The reason why God is saying there is a seed element to a financial harvest is not because God is trying to take away from you. It is because God is trying to get it to you. He's trying to get you. To have a secured future. Let us go now to Genesis chapter number 8 verse 22. Thank you Jesus. Genesis chapter number 8 verse 22. As we close. Thank you Jesus. He says, while the earth remains, or as long as the earth remains, there's going to be these things. The first one, seed time and harvest. The second one, 
Cold and heat. The third one, winter and summer. The fourth one, day and night. These things shall not cease. It's a promise from God. So seed time and harvest is a law. Does someone have a book that I can use? Simeon, you want to come up to the front? And John, do you want to come up? And uh, Sabel, do you want to come up? Let's try it with this gentleman. In fact, let's get one lady. So Sunita, you want to come up instead of Simeon? Let, let's try this with these guys. I'm going to use your, your black one, this one. What is this? Is this the Bible? Okay, cool. We can use the Bible. We can use the Bible. So here, he's talking about the law of seed time and harvest. Do you see it? And if you read in Galatians chapter number 6, verse 7, to confirm, this is the cousin to this uh, very same verse uh, in the New Testament. Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also what? Reap. I have a question for you. What do you think will happen to this Bible if I let it go? All things being equal. For where? How, how, how do you know that? I didn't hear that. The law, the law of? Okay, what if it's a white dude? What do you think is going to happen? Really? Let it go. Let it go, let's see. That's the reason why I use the Bible, man. I want to kill some sacred cows along the process. What if it's an Indian woman? Really? Okay, let it go. <laughs> what if it's Sabelo? Are you sure? Let it go. Okay, okay, here's the deal. What, you, you say the reason it's falling is because of the law of? Yeah. What if he doesn't know the formula to gravity? Let it go. You see, ignorance is not even an excuse. Well, I don't even know this. Thank you, guys. I don't even know this law of sowing and reaping. Some of you may say, but let me tell you, the sow and reaping, uh, the uh, law of sow, sowing and reaping is in effect. Whether you know it or you don't, whether you choose to cooperate with it is one thing. It's a law, just like the law of gravity, and just like it did not choose, it did not discriminate whether you are white. You're black, you're purple, you're orange, you're brown, you're cream. Whether you're young, you're old, the law of sowing and reaping is in effect. It does not select, it does not segregate. Those who are generous will prosper. And those who are stingy will shrink and shrink and shrink and lose everything that they have. Amen? It's a Bible principle. In closing, let us go now to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 7, and read on and close. So, this law of sowing and reaping does not care who you are. It doesn't discriminate. You could be a man from Atlatini. Born in the middle of the bush. In fact, you're looking at a man who grew up in a three-roomed house. Not a three-bedroomed house. A three-roomed house. 
And when I got a hold of this principle, it changed my life forever. I decided the day I realized that there was a law in effect, that I was going to take full advantage of it. How many of you realize that the law of gravity, the law of aerodynamics was there in the Garden of Eden? God wasn't surprised in 1907 when the two Wright brothers decided they were going to take advantage of that law and start taking to flight on a powered jet. God wasn't surprised. God was thinking, man, you could have done this in the Garden of Eden. Moses and the children of Israel could have jetted a Boeing 767 out of Egypt to go to the promised land. And stopped with all that walking in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. But guess what? Them dudes were ignorant of the law. It took us close to 2,000. 4,000 years to discover the law of aerodynamics and start taking advantage of it. People in the 1400s could have been boarding jets. They could have been driving four-stroke engine cars. But they didn't. You know why? Because they were ignorant of the law. It's the same way. If you're ignorant of the law of sowing and reaping, man, you'll stay in the ancient days. When you could have progressed. I discovered, man, this is a law. I just need to change this at my heart level. Man, I became generous while in the three-roomed house. When I had nothing according to man, but I had something on the inside of me. That something was I decided to become a sower. Not just a sower, a bountiful sower. And the Bible says God ministers seed to the sower. In other words, God gives to givers. He gives stuff to people who will in turn use it to bless others. He said to Abraham, I've blessed you. I've conferred this blessing on you so that you can be a blessing to others. The number one reason God blesses you is so that you can be a blessing to other people. And that's why God gives you influence. That's why God gives you authority. It is so that you can start opening doors for others. Man, I was saying at Life Group on Thursday that the number one thing that I do right at the top of my to-do list is to open doors for others. I like opening doors for others. You know, when they called me in and they said, uh, we are giving you a free show on TBN in Africa, they told me all we want is you. That's all we want. We want you. And I said to them, is it okay if I can bring my friends too? They said, well, if you decide. Because on my mind, I was already thinking, man, I need to use this door to open for someone else. Because I could have gone there. Hey, listen, I could have gone there and be the top dog. Have you ever heard people say it's lonely at the top? It is because they have a mindset of going into stuff and be the only one in the neighborhood prospering. Man, you should always be thinking, how can I be a blessing to others? And when you do, God will put your name in big conversations. People will start talking about you in big places. And they'll start speaking blessings over you. Man, you should always be thinking about someone else. How you can be a blessing to someone else. Father, in Jesus' name we thank you. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. For you are a good God. Father, we thank you for the grace of prosperity. 
that is in this church. The grace of prosperity that is in your word. Lord, we thank you that each and every individual under the sound of my voice is a generous giver. And because of that, their world will get larger and larger and larger. Lord, we pray that you may begin to open doors for them. Doors that no man can close. Father, we thank you for doing it for them. Lord, we thank you. For this prosperity is not our idea. It is a God idea. That gives us the ability to become a blessing to our community. A blessing to our church. A blessing to our city. A blessing to our country and a blessing to our continent. And so Lord, we thank you and we give you all the praise in the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have prayed and everyone said, Amen and Amen. We love you. God bless you and remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight.